conversations, random, off-the-cuff discussions on all things paranormal. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to Paranormal Conversations. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, this is Paranormal Conversations number 14, and we're going to be joined by our listener, Brandy. This was a fascinating conversation we had with her. We talked about shadow figures and the fact that both of you have seen them in what I would refer to as 2D. Absolutely. And now I'm really curious as to the way that other people view them. We also get into talking about alien ghosts. She's been to Hillview Manor. She's going to share some amazing experiences they've had there. What I really love about experiences that she's had is that it's like doubled up on the equipment. It's like one piece of equipment will say something like an ovelus will say something and then they get a verification with something else. That's always so amazing. And I I love that extra verification when you have multiple things going off at once. And what's even better is Brandy's just like you and I and everybody else. We're not celebrity ghost hunters out there. We're just regular people having amazing experiences. You guys are going to love this episode. We are joined by our listener, Brandy. We are so excited to have her on with us. She's had some experiences. She's done a little paranormal investigating like us, and we're looking forward to hearing more about that. How are you, Brandy? Good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. Clearly, if you're listening to the History Ghost Bump podcast, you enjoy ghost stories, creepy things, weird stuff. When did this get started for you? Probably at birth. I've like always been interested in weird, macabre stuff. I kind of had to tone it down to keep friends, I think. Uh, so I just always been interested in ghost stories and ghosts and cryptids, things like that. So pretty much, you know, it's not like I got into it. It's just I've always kind of been into it. Right. Nice. So when would you say, like, how old were you when you had your first experience that you couldn't explain? So the first time I was 13 or 14, I can't remember exactly what age, but that would have been like 2003, 2004. And that was like a shared experience. I was living with my parents and my older sister, who's four years older than me. And we were just getting ready, you know, to go to, we were in the bathroom, we were washing her face, you know, brushing her teeth. And we heard someone say, Sarah, like in the hallway or somewhere. So I was like, okay. So I just walked out and answered for her. And I was like, what's up? And there wasn't anyone in the hallway. There wasn't anyone on the landing. I expected to see one of my parents like peeking up like from downstairs wanting our attention. But they were in the kitchen. They were just cleaning up dinner. And I walked all the way down and said, did you need something? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? Oh, wow. You know what I love about that is the very first experience I ever had was with my sister, shared experience. And so, you know, I didn't just hear something myself, somebody else heard it. And then the fact that you verified it with your folks, because it's like, well, maybe their parents did yell for them when you go down there and they're like, "Uh, no, we didn't call you. We don't need you. You know, it was something. Mm -hmm. We slept in the same bed that night. We have had different rooms, you know, (laughs) different beds, but we slept in the same bed. We were so freaked out. Totally understandable. (laughs) This was in your house. I mean, how old was the house? Did somebody pass away in it? Do you know? No, um, I really don't know much about like the land or anything. Um, But that was like the first and almost like kind of last experience like we had in that house. There hasn't been anything like creepy or weird 
where there there has been, but it's something comes in and out. Maybe I'm not really sure. Interesting. So it almost makes you wonder if it might have been maybe a family member that was passing through and just saying hi. We did have a grandma who died like probably a few months before then. So I was wondering, we, my sister Sarah and I were both wondering, did she like check in with us? But then she never did it again because she knew how like creeped out we were about it. Could be. Could be. Maybe she's like, oops, I didn't mean to scare him. Yeah. <laughs> and why they called her name is very strange. Like, why did that voice say her name? I did have a voice say my name before. This was not a shared experience, but I was on the phone with my boyfriend, who's my husband now. And I was probably like 18 years old. And we were just chit-chatting on the phone. It was cell phones at the time. And it was like, the it kind of clicked or went dead, something like that. And then I heard my name whispered across it. And then it like went back into like normal frequency. And oh, I was wow. like, why are you saying my name? We were already on the phone. And he was like, I didn't say your name. And clearly <laughs> he didn't was... hear it on his end either. No, he didn't. Ooh, that's Interesting. weird. So something was checking in with me then, I guess, too. Clearly. Wow, that's strange. I've never heard a story like that before. And you said you were on cell phones? hmm And what makes that interesting is you could say, well, maybe it was something that just got crossed in the air. You picked up somebody else's cell phone, something else, but it said your name. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. And you know whenever someone calls your name or even something close to your name, you're... Absolutely. Yes. And... Brandy is, uh, I wouldn't say it's a really common name. So mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, Jane or something. Mm-hmm. Interesting. There's one more experience that happened in that house and it involved a shadow figure, I guess. And <laughs> for years, I didn't think this was an experience. I thought I had made it up, saw something until I started hearing other people talk about what they see when they see a shadow figure. So I'm like, maybe this was something. So like fast forward, I was um, in, I was in college, like going to college at the time, but I was living at my parents' house and it was the night before I was going to move in to college again because, you know, every few semesters you have to take all your stuff out and put it back in. Sure. So it was, it was the night before that. And I just kind of opened my eyes randomly in the middle of the night and I saw like inches in front of my face, like this head shape. It was definitely a head. I couldn't see through it and it was darker than everything else. And it was like right by my face, like it was peering or maybe it was on its knees. I wasn't sure, um, but I reacted. I kind of like went out pathetic little like, oh, (laughs) like not loud enough to wake anybody up. And I kind of scooted back like in the middle of my bed and it was hard getting back to sleep. Like I had to get back to sleep because in the morning I was going to drive an hour and move everything, you know, back into my dorm room. But I kind of did that thing where you're kind of trying to go to sleep and you open an eye. Okay, everything's okay. <laughs> Try to go back to sleep, open up. <laughs> Eventually I was so exhausted that I just understandably. So any indication in regards to who may have been the shadow figure? Any thoughts, you know, deep down in terms of who or what that may have been? Honestly, no. Now that I'm like reflecting on it, it seems curious. Like, of course, it scares the heck out of you whenever you wake up and see, you know, the shadow thing in front of your face. Um, But I don't know, something checking in on me, something curious. I guess it disappeared. I was kind of too startled to see where it went. I had this weird thought that just popped into my head. So I don't know where this is coming from. But 
I kind of sometimes wonder when people see shadow figures, if it's not a projection of themselves. And I'm wondering, because you were about to have another big moment. I mean, this wasn't the first time you were going off to college, but it's still, you know, when you go the first time, you don't exactly know what to expect. And it can be pretty scary. And Mm -hmm. you get homesick and everything. And with that knowing in the back of your mind that it's going to be kind of that way too. And the further along you get in college, the further away from childhood, from home, family, that kind of thing you get. Just makes me wonder sometimes if that's not yourself checking in on yourself, future self looking at you or, you know, coming back and maybe saying, I have a few hints for you. Don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We all wish we had that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like a reflection or something checking in on me before I went off to college again. Yeah. I mean, the way that you described it in terms of the curiosity, the only time I've seen a shadow figure was in a not a similar situation in regards to the actual environment situationally, but it did seem it like a, a curiosity type of situation where yeah. I recognized what was walking in front of me and I watched it and the shadow figure backed up, bent down and looked at me like kind of that in that curiosity type of manner. So I don't know if that is something that's common or not, but it's it's interesting that you said that. But, well, I hear both of you talking about how this shadow figure, which clearly doesn't have what we would think would be eyes, was looking at you. So mm-hmm. what, when you guys are saying it's looking at you, what are the eyes looking like? Well, in my circumstance, it was like a flat Stanley. So the eyes were... Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Like, see, it, you could see where the eyes were. The nose and mouth were, but it didn't have like a a physical. Was there like some kind of shadowy shading to it that it was different than the rest of the? It was. It was facial stuff. I don't know about shadowy. You and Brandy are describing something that's darker than dark. Well, yes, it definitely was, but you could see where the outline was, where the eyes and nose and mouth were supposed to be. If you saw a physical person in brighter light. So mine didn't have like any discernible features, but when you said flat Stanley, it was like, I don't remember it being like three-dimensional, you know, like having any width. But what I'm thinking of is, I don't know if you know, like these decorations people like to put outside, like against the shed. And it just looks like the silhouette of maybe somebody like, it's like um, metal leaning up. Yeah. Like leaning. Yeah. It's normally metal. And that's kind of like what it reminded me of. Yeah, oftentimes it's like a cowboy kind of thing. They've got their foot kicked back. They've got their hat on and their arms Mm -hmm. crossed and everything. I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Wow, that's very cool because both of you have had completely different experiences. I guess you could put that word out there. Yeah, Yeah, but totally different times, different places. And you're both describing the same thing with this 2D kind of thing, which makes you wonder... If that's part of the not being able to manifest completely is that not only can they not have their like my clothes and my facial features and everything showing that it that's as good as it gets. I can't even get 3D. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was definitely very flat for me. I've you- also heard things like if you're not if you don't belong on this plane, then you're not going to be 3D. It's like we're not the same. I'm Interesting. Not no, so they can't quite, they're not part of this. Manifest because, completely. you know, when we talk about dimensions, we throw that word out there. But dimensions, when we're talking 2D, 3D, 4D, it, it's 
dimensions. So it does make mm-hmm. you wonder if they belong because they're coming from another dimension. Mm-hmm. Like I'm coming from this dimensional world, so I can't do the three-dimensional that you're looking for or something. Mm-hmm. Or if you're projecting yourself from another time, maybe it's just a projection. I don't know. It's weird. But it was actually both of you are describing something that was intelligent because it was physically looking at you, mm-hmm. focused on you, seemed to be interested and curious about you. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. <laughs> Which makes me want to ask you, because we always love to ask this question of everybody, because it's cool to see what different people have to say about it. When it comes to a spirit or a ghost or these things that you've had happen to you, what do you think that is? What is a ghost? Like at its core, I think it's energy. I pretty much believe any theory or, you know, hypothesis anyone's ever said about them. Like I feel like the stone tape theory is definitely valid. Um, I feel like there is residual energy. I feel like there's um, intelligent energy. I, I pretty much believe in everything that it's just, you know, energy that manifests itself, whether it's intelligent or not. What made you decide to go out and start investigating this stuff for yourself? I always was very curious and I kind of grew up with the ghost shows, the ghost adventures and ghost hunters and then kindred spirits later. And I thought like, I want to do that. But I like didn't know how to get into it. And I think it was August 2023. So August of last year, um, there was, I went to the Vickery Mansion. And the only reason I knew the Vickery Mansion exists was one of your older podcasts. <laughs> about the victory mansion i'm like oh my gosh that's in freedom that's like kind of down down the river from me so i went to the victory mansion because they had like a victory day and i'm like is there any you know ghosts here and like the docent person there like she was like we can't really talk about that there's hauntings we don't want to say it's haunted but go find katie and you know ask katie i'm like is katie a person <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I find Katie and she heads Proof Paranormal, Paranormal Research Organization of Freedom, um, Freedom, you know, Pennsylvania. So I talked to her and she was like, every Tuesday of every month, we meet and we're a paranormal group and we do things and talk about things. And I was like, this is now or never. So I went to my first meeting, you know, that following um, September. And then by October, I was awesome. So where was the first place you went ghost hunting? That was Old Economy Village. I'm not sure if you did a anything on that or not. They I've kind never of, heard of it. Really? It is in Ambridge. So from their website, Old Economy Village is a national historic landmark that tells the story of the Harmony Society one of the oldest and most successful religious communal groups of the 19th century. The society sought to create a utopia inhabited by German Lutheran separatists who subscribed to the mystical religious teachings of their leader, George Rapp. So the Harmonists came, I think they were originally from like, they settled in like Harmony, Pennsylvania, and they eventually moved um, to more this area in Ambridge, Pennsylvania. And George Rapp lived from 1757 to 1847. So this village, it's really cool. They have as many like buildings that they could take care of and stuff. And it's it's the village of, you know, what their society was like. Very cool. We'll have to look into that. Yeah, sure. So they hosted a, like an after dark. I don't know what you call it. What was that? Yeah, it was like an investigation and you like you paid and um, you went there and you got a little like spiel on like ghost hunting and then they kind of let you loose. 
the different buildings. One of the first buildings we went to is called the Baker House. And it is, they didn't bake in the building. I was surprised. I thought I would find pieces of bread or something in that ah. building. <laughs> Diane goes, is there cake? Yes. <laughs> is there cake? Is there cookies? Cupcakes? <laughs> But it was the house, the baker was the last name of the people who okay. lived in that little house. And it was like two rooms. So um, I went there with um, my friend Sue and my friend Shelby, who I like had just met through the paranormal group like the month before. So I'm kind of like putting, not putting my life into their hands, but I don't know if like the first time that you went ghost hunting, like you don't want to get anything That's bad out of it. Yeah, yeah. Attached, you don't want to do the wrong things. You don't want to, you know, insult you know, anybody. Sure. I just wanted to do it right and be around the right people. And they were the right people. Nice. So we were, we were in the Baker house and um, I didn't have any of my own equipment at the time. It was all like borrowed stuff and Sue and Shelby stuff. So we had cat balls out. I had a obelisk on my phone that I had downloaded. Um, one of the other girls had a spirit box going. So we're just asking a standard question to here. Who would like to talk to us? I forget what else we were asking, but we got Frederick across my obelisk. And then two seconds later, we heard Frederick across the spear box. Oh, nice. Wow. You like it when the equipment doubles up like yes. that. That's yeah. great. Because when you get like one thing on one piece of equipment, sometimes you can say that it really wasn't anything. But whenever things, you know, double up like that and you get like, oh, that's, it's really interesting. So we're like, okay, we're talking to Frederick. When did you live? You know, um, what'd you do for fun? How old were you when you died? And we did hear 60 across the spirit box. And I was like, well, that's interesting because I know there's a Frederick Rapp who was George Rapp's adopted son. And I Googled it real quick and he died apparently at 59. Oh, wow. Whoa. Nice. <laughs> Love it when everything comes together like that. Right? So I don't know where the, you know, that one year different once. Um, it could be that I calculated it wrong or he wasn't quite, um, or he was 60 when he, when he thought he died or it, I'm not sure, you know, what that one year went, but yeah, I mean, sometimes it could be a high. matter of like weeks or months or, you or know, they got his birth year wrong too. Sometimes. Could be. Right. If he was yeah. adopted. Happens a lot. I do have a recorder now. I got a recorder for Christmas so I can like actually start voice recording everything so I can remember, you know, what comes after what. Yeah, a lot of people think that I just bring a recorder in so we can capture EVP. And I'm like, no, I have a horrible memory. So I mostly have it so that I can remember like what order we did things and what happened. The details of any tour that we do, get all the history and then compare it to everything else. In regards to our spirit box, we now have one that records that entire episode so we can play it back later and confirm in terms of what she's hearing because she typically is the one that does the spirit box. And it's nice to have with that. With the Estes session. Yes, yeah. with the Estes. And nice to be able to go back and refer back to that. But it's always good for multitude of details <laughs> mm -hmm. to have a recorder going. So uh, me and my friend Sue and Shelby, we were, this was still at the Old Economy Village and they have this large like main house, or maybe it's not a house, it's like a large gathering place that's a large building and on the second floor, we're on the second floor, it's two levels and we're in this room that's kind of, it's set up to be like a um, an old school. So we were just kind of sitting in there chilling. I had an EMF 
um, you know, a K2 meter, we had our cat balls, we had um, the twist flashlights, you know, we kind of had everything out. We weren't getting like too much in there, you know, we were asking the questions and stuff. You asked if there's any aliens, you know, around, <laughs> but nothing yeah. happened. Oh. But she said, is there any aliens cloaked as humans around us tonight? And my K2 meter like shot up the orange for two seconds. Whoa. <laughs> now that's weird. Yeah, yeah, maybe aliens communicate too. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've never thought about asking that, but. Well, you know me, I run the gamut. I think that all the things are all the things. So I don't know that a ghost isn't necessarily an alien or an alien's not necessarily a ghost or whatever cryptid, that kind of thing. So it's possible. They might call themselves by different names too. Who knows? Good question to throw into our. I never would have thought our that. Bag of... in our repertoire. <laughs> yes. I like that. When it came to the Harmony Society, um, I mean, they were a break off. It's interesting to me because I was raised Lutheran and my family's very German. So I would have kind of come down through that line of stuff. Did they tell you any reason why that they'd broken off in that way, that they just wanted to be their own little community and not be bothered by anybody else? Is that what it was? I believe that's what it was. It's kind of like, you know, Puritans, you know, how they kind of just want to, you know, be their own you know, people sure. and like try to, you know, cut off from the world as much as they can. Got it. Yeah. So you've been to Hillview Manor. Have you ever been there? No, but it sounds like a crazy place. The Hillview Manor started out as a Lawrence County home for the aged. So it was a poor farm in 1926. And there was like a lot of things that happened between 1926 being a poor farm, but it ultimately ended up as a skilled nursing facility. And it closed in 2004. I feel like it's still like pretty new. It's not like it closed in like 1900. But the place is huge and it's just, it's just massive. And it's, um, the paint is like, you know, peeling off the walls, exposing different colors of paint that it was. Linoleum is like crunchy because it's so, you know, old and like decayed. So it's just sure. like, just creepy, you know, all the way around. It's dark. There's not a whole lot of electric going to the building. So in most of the hallways, it's only the exit signs that like provide light. Oh, wow. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm kind of setting up the scene for it's like a, you know, creepy. Very creepy. Place yes. to begin with. Um, there's yards and yards of hallways with these, you know, dark rooms that you really can't see beyond. So I went there. It was November of last year. So to set it up, I had left my house at nine in the morning that day. And I went to a local craft fair and then I went an hour away to a wine walk. And then I came back home just long enough to like eat dinner and grab my stuff and go. So I was kind of exhausted, but I was still really excited for this to be like one of my bigger ghost hunting experiences. The first paranormal experience at Hillview, it was in one of the basements. Since it was one of the places that got added on to, there's two different basements. I didn't go to one of the basements, but I went to um, another one. And there's a room they call George's room. They believe someone named George is still there. I believe George had possibly worked there. And I'm not sure how he died or, you know, or where he died, but they call it George's room. And apparently George loves the Pittsburgh Steelers. So people will bring, <laughs> nice. they'll bring terrible towels. They'll bring <laughs> jerseys. So all of that stuff's still there. 
So I walk into this room, I say, you know, hi, George, just so you know, I don't have any affiliation, you know, one way or another with any sports team. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep it real, being being (laughs) honest. said that people like got pushed whenever they're like you know go buckeyes or go other sports tempting the spirits getting right (laughs) (laughs) me and the person who i was with sat down and we were just you know saying hi to george is anyone here with us anyone want to talk to us and really nothing for a while but i was holding my emf and it like started going like up to red for no reason and of course you like you put it on a table to see if Maybe that did something, you move around, and it was, like, still going. And um, I was with Sue again. Sue grabbed it, and she, like, put it all around me. And it was, like, whatever it was was all around me. And then all of a sudden, it just went down to, like, just that first green one. Like, it wasn't detecting anything. So something was there. Maybe it was George. And then, like, just flew off. (laughs) Did you feel weird in any way, like, colder or any electrical kind of sensation around you at all? Surprisingly, no. I don't know if I'm not sensitive in that way, or maybe I just haven't tapped into it yet. Well, it could just be that he was standing near you, but not that close to you and mm-hmm. wasn't touching you. Mm-hmm. I, I assume if you start to feel the electrical stuff, you're actually being touched because that's mm-hmm. been my experience, but I don't know. The people who I was with, I was with some of the proof paranormal group and they um, got their friends involved too, because, you know, when you go to a place, the more people you have, the more people you have to cut the cost with. So, you know, less true. True, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's less expensive for everybody. Yeah. So the people who were there, um, who like been there before, who were like kind of psychic, they said the building seemed kind of drained. And I'm wondering if it's, we were there at like the beginning of November. Because October, October must have just run through it. Because they have a haunted house attraction there too, don't they? They do. I have mixed feelings about a like known haunted place that has like trauma attached to it and then putting like a haunted house in it yeah yeah but i also understand if they only make money off of um tourism <laughs> they only make tourism <laughs> tourism i know i say it strange it's just how i say it i can't help it tourism but yes, I mean, it, it can help a location survive yeah. and hopefully, you know, refurbish and survive in the off months and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Sometimes yeah. these old places are just making it structurally sound so that they yep. can't have people in it. Exactly. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. One of the more creepy experiences I had, there was two kind of creepy experiences. And I'm sorry, I'm still tickled that you are saying tourism. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right, go on. Sorry. That's all right. So I was on, I believe it was the third floor. One of of the main, one of the buildings, there's like three kind of separate buildings. I, my parents and everyone says, I get lost in a paper bag. So I was basically holding on to someone the whole time. I never knew really where I was. I was on one of the floors. And there was probably about like five of us kind of lining the hallway. And I was by um, the door to this large, like community room, like they um, they had used it as a community room. So the door was all the way open. And it was a door that 
sat flush to the wall. So I was like by that door. So the door was on my right and there's an empty chair on my left. So I was just standing there. Everybody was kind of being quiet at this time. And one person who was across from me across the hallway had a video camera and it was like into um, the dark community room. And he was saying, I'm seeing a light anomaly. So like on my camera. And I'm like, okay, can you be more specific? <laughs> and he says, I'm seeing round light anomalies come out of that room and like towards you, like towards me. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. And I had my EMF detector and I, I just moved my torso to see if uh, like towards where he said the light anomalies were coming from to see if anything would pick up. I didn't have a chance to look at the meter because something made a loud sound and I like flew across the hallway. Oh, wow. <laughs> I Not that anything pushed me across the hallway. I moved myself across the width of the hallway in one bound because I'm scared by loud noises. Uh-huh. Gotcha. So everyone was like, are you okay? Like, what was that? They thought I had like moved and made that noise. But I said, no, did you hear that? They're like, yeah, we heard something. That wasn't you. But that wasn't me. Yeah. And sometimes that fight or flight kicks in. That's exactly what it was. Like my lizard brain was, brain was, my lizard brain was making decisions for me. And it's like, move away from this noise. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, it's good that they, they, they were able to validate that they heard it, Mm -hmm. even though they thought that perhaps you had made it because you jumped. So there was that relatively loud noise that everybody heard. And now it's like, well, what is that? Like, can we debunk this? So I took the door and I kind of routed it against the wall. That wasn't it. I sat in a chair that was beside me. It didn't even like creak. And then I scooted the empty chair across. And that's what the noise was, that that chair had scooted. And I know it wasn't me because I purposefully was only moving my torso to move my K2 meter closer to what um, the light anomaly might have been. And no one was close enough to that chair. So that chair, I'm pretty sure it moved on its own. Let's just put it this way. If you would have been in in a way that you could have moved it, it probably would have been your foot or your leg, because otherwise you really would have picked up on the fact that, oh, I just hit this chair. And if you had done that with your foot or your leg, and you launched yourself across the hallway, you probably would have been on the floor because you would have <laughs> yeah. gone over the chair because yeah. you would have been wrapped up in it. So I definitely don't right. think you. And everybody I was with was really good about, um, like, if they cleared their throat. Sorry, I cleared my throat. If they, like, laughed, they're like, hey, I made a noise. If they accidentally ran into something because it was pretty dark, they're like, whoops, that was me. So I felt good that everybody was calling out their noises. <laughs> So not everybody was like, that was a ghost. Diane does that all the time. If her tummy's rumbling really loudly, she always identifies it on the recorder. Well, I have to, because otherwise it sounds like something growling. Oh, is that an EVP? <laughs> Some entity oh, no. growling. It's oh, no. It's been three hours since dinner and I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every but time I want a ghost that show. Everybody that you're investigating with does that because it's not, it's important. Anytime on a ghost show and someone's like, I heard growling, and then it like replays it, I'm like, you're growling. 
I don't know what you're hearing. I guess I wasn't there, but I don't hear growling. Another uh, more unnerving experience, actually, there's a second floor of Hillview. And if you watch any paranormal shows that have to do with Hillview Manor, there's a room called Jeffrey's room. They say that Jeffrey was a kid and he died there, but I don't think there's any record substantiating that there was ever like a kid who died there. But they still call it Jeffrey's room. They say that, um, you know, he was a boy there and they filled the room with like kids stuff, which whenever it's children's stuff, you know, a rocking chair, a bassinet in this dark decaying room, that's, that's a little creepy. <laughs> Another thing they say about the second floor is that there's a creeper and it's that stereotypical shadow figure that crawls, you know, on the floor, up the walls. So that is said yeah. to have been on the second floor for some reason, sharing this hallway with this child named Jeffrey. So um, I was in Jeffrey's room and I had my obelisk on my um, phone app going and there's also the spirit box. And I think this is the only time when I fell off. I'm not sure if it was because I knew that the creeper was could have been in that hallway and I was like, you know, just pre-creeped out. But over my obelisk was, it came, it's here. Okay. That's a not he's here, not she's here. It's, it's, it's here. yeah, that's very interesting and a little bit unnerving. Yeah, because it's like, why is it calling it it? Right. And then over the spirit box, I heard it's coming. Oh, wow. No. Okay. So I'm not sure what that was, but that was interesting. And I have a theory that I've been thinking about because I, I listen to, you know, a lot of um, historical slash ghost haunted podcast. And a lot of these places has a creeper. And I'm wondering if it's even human, if it was created accidentally by the trauma and emotion, you know, that happened in these places. And maybe we just offer candy or something. Maybe it'll go away. <laughs> maybe we have to be nice to the creeper. <laughs> That's an interesting thought because we talk about tulpas all the time and us creating some kind of ghosts or entities or something. But what if it's not even people who are making an attempt to create something? It's just so much trauma that's piled up that it forms mm -hmm. into something. Mm -hmm. And, and you're right. Yes, it's sanatorium and stuff. Yeah. And they all seem to have this, the crawler, the creeper, this thing that goes up and down the walls and across the ceilings mm -hmm. and stuff. That's really interesting. And how scary that you might have actually interacted with it a little bit. Right. It was very creepy. Um, I, I would love to go back to Hillview again, just for more of a clearer picture of things. I feel like sometimes you have to go back to a place twice, like especially once not looking at the history to see what you pick up. And then maybe going back again after you learn the history to like pick up more things. Because I think it's interesting if you go in not knowing anything. And you start picking up things. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, making that connection with any spirits that are there, the more times you go in, I, I do feel like you have a sort of relationship with them. And I've, I've seen that a few times with different people that are investigating and so forth. But I, I think there's something to be said to reinvestigating a location multiple times. And yes, going in without having the whole historical background and then coming back in 
once you either get validation on certain things or just going in to make a particular type of contact? I had to map it because now I really want to go to this place. And I'm like, Newcastle, it's kind of on the outskirts there of Pennsylvania. It's right up against Ohio. So if we went there, we could go over into Ohio. And it's only 16 hours. At first, it came up because the last time I used it, we were walking somewhere. And so I'm like, 15 days? (laughs) Oh, Lordy. I'm like, I know they're having winter storms and stuff, but come on. Oh, my word. Okay. And I was like, oh, wait, the little thing's walking. It's not a car. (laughs) It's only 16 hours. We could do that in a day. Yeah. Newcastle, here we come. Yeah, I would totally do that with you guys. 15 hours, one one day's drive. I don't know. That would be rough. But we could could figure it out. (laughs) We might take one day in between. On the way up and on the way back. (laughs) I think there's one last interesting thing that happened at Hillview. There is a room that they set up for this um, woman named Mary Virginia. And she was an actual person. And they have a picture of her. She had, can't remember if it's cerebral palsy. It was. Okay, thank you. So they have a room set up and it was her room and they have, um, like jewelry and beads and bingo cards and dress up dresses because it's uh, it's said that she didn't function as like an adult level that she was more um, a little bit childlike so she enjoyed you know um, dressing up and stuff like that so I was sitting in the room with Sue we were just sitting in the chairs and it said that if you um, you know talk to her you can communicate with her and tell her like things to move in the room so we try that but I almost was feeling like either my energy was drained from the whole day or the place was drained I don't think Mary Virginia was there or didn't maybe she like didn't want to communicate then but what we did find out was we were there very quiet we didn't have any of like our equipment on but we heard the linoleum crackle because it's so dry rotted that when you walk you hear it crackle and we heard it crackling like right outside the room. And, you know, of course, we're just listening. I thought that maybe Sue was like adjusting her feet and making the crackling linoleum sound right in the room. But I looked at her feet and she wasn't moving at all. And I know I wasn't moving, but we looked at each other. It took like at least 30 seconds of us listening to that for us to look at each other to be like, you hearing that too? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I go up around the corner and nothing's there and it stopped and we were like okay that's strange we don't we don't really know what that was but later I was researching more about Hillview because I didn't have a whole lot of time to research too much of it before I went there and that's one thing that people hear is footsteps outside of Mary Virginia's room. I wonder why it's specifically with her room. Yeah that's a good question. Because, I mean, there's how many rooms there and how many hallways and stuff. And mm-hmm. so it's like, why is that? It's almost like, is somebody keeping an eye on her? Or was she outside of the room and just kind of pacing a little bit? Because the thing that we don't know is, I would hope that when you're in the afterlife, that you are whole, <laughs> healed from whatever was afflicting you. Right. So that she wouldn't be having any issues with walking or anything like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was well, pacing outside her own room because she didn't feel like talking to us. It could be. She was like, are you guys done yet? Are you leaving? (laughs) Can you get away from my bed? I need to go to bed. (laughs) Right. And it was 
can function as a, you know, poor house in a nursing home. So it would make sense that maybe you get more activity in the daytime because people were sleeping, you know, at one thirty in the morning when I was sure. there. That's why I always laugh when people act like the only time you can go investigate is at night because I'm like, places are haunted all the time and we don't even know if on the other side there is such a thing as time to you. So, mm-hmm. and there would be a lot more activity you would think during the day because that's when people are up and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I have um, a story about a cemetery. <laughs> oh, good. I know you guys we always like love those. Yes, we definitely like the cemeteries. So I'm not going to say what the cemetery's name was because I don't think we were trespassing, but <laughs> just to be on the safe side, it's all good. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's an old local cemetery and it goes back to like the, the Civil War. So we were there at night. And of course, we I was with Sue and Shelby again. Of course, we're respectful. Like we're not going to go into, you know, a place of rest and be loud and obnoxious and have the police called on us. So we were kind of like, Creeping around, being quiet, you know, walking around. So we settled on just standing outside this mausoleum. And there happened to be some sort of, um, it was like a dumpster, like a small dumpster. I think they were cleaning something up or something out. So there's a mausoleum, like a small family mausoleum. And then there's a dumpster. So Sue had her dowsing rods out. She likes to use those and ask questions. Shelby had um, twist flashlights, which you put like on the edge of the dumpster. And I had my spirit box and my obelisk going <laughs> all at the same time just to see what we would pick up on. So Sue picked up on that there was one spirit with us because she would ask, you know, cross, you know, the dousing rod whenever I get to how many spirits. One, it crossed. Okay, there's, there's one spirit. And Shelby started asking, you know, can you light up the, the flashlights whenever you know, it's a yes, and then leave them dark for no. So we started asking questions. And I had my back to the flashlights, and over my obelisk, it said, turn around. Oh, <laughs> pay attention. So, Come on. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. I turned around, and the flashlight was on. Oh, <laughs> wow. That is cool. Very cool. So they, they, can, can, they can nod, give you a nod, a nudge, whatever, <laughs> to mm-hmm. get you to pay attention. She was like, hey, I'm here. You wanted to talk to me, you know, turn around and pay attention. <laughs> yep. So I turned the spear box off because nothing was really coming over that. So we still have the flashlights. We still have the dousing rods. And I still have the obelisk on my phone. So we were um, between the three of those things. We were asking questions um, like, are you male or female? Were you married? Do you have children? Are you laid to rest in this spot? She was a female. Um, and we tried to ask what her name was, like cross it whenever we get to the first letter of your name. And we got to B. So it was, we were calling her Mrs. B and trying to get, you know, more information about her. She didn't say that she was laid to rest in the graveyard. So I don't know why she was sticking around. But over my obelisk came, who is he? And there, <laughs> there was a pack of teenage sounding boys in the graveyard with us. Just being disrespectful and we were just trying to go on with what we were doing. And they just kind of were getting, we could hear they were getting closer to us and they were just being loud. And whenever he was, he came over my obelisk, we heard rustling on the other side of the dumpster. And it was one of the boys trying to sneak up on us. Oh, goodness. Um, 
spirits were just letting you know, hey, don't be shocked when this little punk pops up and oh my word. So I turned my flashlight on him and so did Shelby and we kind of lit him up with light and I didn't even see him. He ran so fast. (laughs) It probably scared him because he didn't know you knew he was there and what would have been really fun is if you're like, you know how we knew you were there? The ghost told us. Yeah. Yeah. Because he'd have to believe you. So you'd be like, I mean, Here you how go. else did we know you were there? Right. So we apologized that. for her on behalf of the hooligans. Yeah. And then I think she kind of left. I think she was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, how fascinating. I love that you were getting stuff like on the Ovilus and flashlights at the same time or with your spirit box. It's just great when you get that stuff to to happen. I remember when we were doing the investigation at that little house in uh, St. Augustine and we had like three or four pieces of equipment all going off at once and then you could hear the portal in the other room yelling stuff. It was like, whoa, there is something happening here. You just love having all that kind of energy. So do you have any plans in the future for another place you're going to be hitting? We're trying to, the Proof um, Paranormal Group is trying to go to a, it's a prison, um, West Virginia Penitentiary. Oh, so wow. Hopefully in nice. June, we're trying to go there. Oh, that'll so I'm be really very cool. Excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to investigate another like big historical spot and try not to make it so scary for myself. <laughs> Just remember, ghosts are people too. We love prisons. We're the energy, our, yeah. yeah, the energy in them is... It can be very interesting and you just have to definitely have your boundaries, especially if you're mm-hmm. Kelly, because she tends to get touched a lot. The guys like her hair for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Gets they like a lot. yours too. I always invite them to touch your hair. That's true. I have had my <laughs> hair touched too, but I think they like to, to play with yours more than me. The first time that we, well, that I had the experience of being touched was at Squirrel Cage Jail in Omaha. Omaha? Iowa. Iowa. Council Bluffs. Council Bluffs. That's right. I always forget where it's actually located because we went to so many different (laughs) investigations and areas at at that time. From there on out, I think we kind of got a little obsessed with investigating jails. Yeah. They're just, I don't know. We love them. You're pretty much guaranteed to have something happen. So, yeah. My role for myself. I only have one role so far. Now there's two roles. <laughs> the first role is don't ask questions that you wouldn't ask someone right in front of you. Certainly. Good one. It's a good one. The second role is don't bring anything up. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, especially when you're going into, you know, prison, the people who are there, the men, the women, who knows, children, you know, would have been yeah. in there. You don't know, you know, you're not the jury. You're not saying whether they're guilty or not. You're just there to talk to them. And if they're there still in the afterlife, they're serving a whole nother sentence. So there's no reason yeah. to go in there and be malicious, you know, towards mm-hmm. them. And, you know, you know, like that one person we always like to talk about that likes to yeah. <laughs> provoke a little bit. Yeah, no, we're, no. we're always about being respectful and speaking to spirits the same way that we would speak to any human standing in front of us so exactly the same the proof is in the pudding it doesn't seem like they get that great of evidence most of the time i think and i think it's Mm -hmm. because of the way that they go in there and then when you see how afflicted the certain head of this group has become with all different kinds of things 
I think it definitely tells you maybe that's not the right way to go about doing it because stuff is coming back on you that you don't want to have come back on you. And I just don't think they get the kind of interaction that you can get because we just go in and are very, you know, like you said, I think that's a really great way to put it. I never thought of putting it in that way that, you know, I'm not going to ask somebody a question that I wouldn't ask if they were standing right here in front of me because they, well, they are right in front of me and I just can't see them. It's all about respect. Yeah. And and we don't know their situation and why they were in there, especially back in the day for jail. I mean, they were thrown into jail for some really stupid things sometimes. And Mm -hmm. if they were there for a long period of time, they probably didn't do anything really heinous because usually if you killed somebody, they hung you pretty quick. You didn't stick Mm -hmm. around very long. So if they were in the jail for a long time, they probably didn't do anything real bad, you know, and Mm -hmm. you think about throwing all the women and children and men all in the same place together. It's like, wow, the poor kitty was starving and, you know, stole some bread and here he is in jail. So Mm -hmm. and sometimes the kids would get incarcerated along with the parents because nobody was there to take care of them. Exactly. So they would live there also. Yeah. So uh, do you have another place that you're looking at in the future, like bucket list place that you would love to go to if money wasn't an object and you could go wherever you wanted to in the world where would you want to what haunted location would you want to hit I haven't looked too much into things like outside of the united states but i would love to go to waverly hill we're gonna have to set that one up again i am so bummed because we had it set up we had it rented the money was paid and everything and of course it was april of 2020 <laughs> so. See what happened then and it was so funny because we were going to do the live show with hillbilly horror stories and everything and jerry and i just kept going back and forth and we're like do we cancel do we not cancel and i'm like well i'm fine with going but i'm like i don't want to you know i said we're gonna have to make it so people cancel that we're we're just gonna refund their money so we're definitely gonna do that but we were still thinking we could maybe pull it off and then waverly was the one who said we're going to pull the plug this month just because we don't know. It was still at the beginning of everything and you just didn't mm-hmm. know what was going on. So I'm so bummed because I'm like, we almost had it. <laughs> <laughs> but but we'll their, do it again. Yeah, well, we'll definitely look at doing that in the future. And to their benefit, they were really good. They Oh, they, they refunded, refunded everything. Because so, that was something that we were a little bit concerned about having to eat that price because we were going to refund it to... Yeah, well, I was going to refund it no matter what. But yeah, yeah. but it was. Yeah, nice. I would love to go there. Refund it on like the, the balconies that they have and stuff. Like yeah. you know where they wheeled people out, and I don't. know, I just want to talk to those people. I want to see what they have to say about you know tuberculosis and what they did for fun. And, yeah. Well, and that was for me. It was probably the first quote unquote scary place I'd ever been into. I'd been into other haunted locations, but this was the first one. Like when we drove up to it. I was very tentative when we went in. I was like, I've never been in a place like this. And I've heard so many stories and it seemed very creepy and scary. And I came out of there and I called Kelly and I was like, oh my God, that was so cool. Yeah. Everything that we've ever run into, jails, otherwise, every haunted experience has always been so exciting for us. Yes. Because I was in the same boat in terms of, you know, first experiences and stuff. Never been scared. Even Velisca Axe Murder House. I mean, we just had, every single time, we've had amazing experiences. And it's not been scary. Wow. It's just 
something that you want to keep doing and investigating more and revisiting? I've heard it said that ghost hunting is kind of like riding a roller coaster. Like it's kind of scary, you know, at times, but like after you ride the roller coaster, you're like, I'm going to do that again. Yeah. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) That's a good way to describe it. I would agree. Yeah. I like that. Listening to you guys whenever you um, actually go into places and stuff, it's kind of giving me confidence that I don't have to be scared going into places. I don't have to believe every single story I hear because whenever you only see what's on TV, those people want scared. They want viewers. And what gets viewers is people feeling like they're scared within arm's reach. And that's really, that's not all of it. Yeah, it's not really reality. And that makes me really, I mean, that makes my heart so happy to hear you say that because that is so very much like the purpose of what we're doing. It's, It's not a scary thing. We're not those that, you know, get that that kind of jump scare reaction, but jump scare reactions typically aren't reality. Well, so, and this field, that's basically what it's about. And that's how you're going to get your views. And I mean, mm-hmm. and we've seen it. Our numbers are certainly nowhere near, you know, Sam and Colby or whatever. You, you get these other people coming into these places. We never set out to be like, we want to make it so that people aren't afraid of it. But now that we've gotten to that place... I'm glad that that's the road that we've gone down yeah. because I I always have held on to that the history is the most important part of any of it. Mm-hmm. If you don't know the history, what is the point of going into that place? Because you have no idea who mm-hmm. you're talking to. You don't know what to do with what you get. Because like you said, it, it is interesting to go into a place where you don't know anything. It's probably better because then you're not going to be, uh, you know, have a, a thing in your, yeah, to what's going to happen. So I think it's great. But if you don't go back and then look later and match it up, it's like, what do I do with the information that I got? You Mm -hmm. know, so I've always thought that the history was the most important. And just, I guess, part of what came off of that is the fact that, oh, it's really not that scary, especially if you go in there with a certain positivity about you and Mm -hmm. you just want to basically talk to people. And if they don't want to talk to me, hey, that's okay. We don't have to talk Mm -hmm. to me. And yeah. And we try to be more interesting about what we do, too, because I'm like, if I was stuck in a place for decades and every person who came in and said, are you here? What's your name? I mean, it's nice that you ask their name so you can mm-hmm. refer to them by their name. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're probably like, could you ask me something else? I mean, right. Like let's have a different to... conversation for once. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't exactly paranormal, but I thought about this because I know you guys are animal lovers. So... Our family had a cat. She pretty much adopted us. Um, She was 21 years old whenever she died. So she lived a very long time. She was kind of like my cat. But, you know, I went to college and I got married and I couldn't, you know, take her, you know, with me anywhere I went because my, you know, my first time with my husband, we aren't allowed to have animals. So I couldn't take her with me. And she was pretty comfortable at my parents' house anyway. She could go inside and outside as she pleased. And where I live, it's a busy road. So it wouldn't have worked out. But it was kind of heartbreaking that, you know, she always had to kind of live separate from me. But we always had like a really awesome bond that whenever I was like younger, we would go walking in the woods together. And then she would kind of sprint ahead and wait for me and sprint ahead and climb a tree. And we would just like generally like hang out like friends together. So whenever she got older, you know, I'd always like pet her head. And I would say... Like, I'll be with you, your last breath. Like, just let me know whenever it's time. I'm almost like tearing up right now thinking about it. So 
you know, I said that I'll be there the last time you take your breath. But it didn't work out that way. My parents ended up putting her down and I was so heartbroken. Of course, one that I lost my cat that I had, you know, for 20 some years. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I broke my promise to her. So I was just like beside myself. But I went to work the next morning. And the whole like way to work, I was like just crying my eyes out, trying to get myself together. I get in the parking lot at work, you know, dry my tears, get myself together, step out of the car. And there is the biggest rainbow I've ever seen over my building like that I work in. Oh, wow. Oh, I love that. And it was like her, her name was Felicity. And she was. (laughs) (laughs) You made Kelly cry too. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, it's okay. Like, I'll see you later. It's okay that you couldn't be with me. Like, I'm not in pain. She understood. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing because like you said, you made a, a promise, but you just not necessarily going to be there. And sometimes it's not even when people put their animals down. Sometimes your pet passes away and you weren't there because they just because a lot of animals, they go off and do their own thing when they're going to pass away anyway. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how we can tell when it's time for them. Wow. What a cool story, though. I love that. And I've always believed. Yeah, I always believe that rainbows, butterflies, those kinds of things right after somebody passes. Um, For us, we also think cardinal. We have a specific cardinal that will come here every so often. We haven't seen her in a while, but she's missing the top part of her beak. And she still manages. I mean, she's looks perfectly healthy. And you could see she still manages to get the seeds in her mouth and must get them down and everything like that. And we are positive that that's Kelly's mom coming to visit us every so often. So it's cool. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for joining us. This has been so much fun. And you've had some really interesting experiences. Hopefully more to come. Yes. Yes, definitely. And hopefully we'll get together with you sometime in the yes. future here and, and be able to investigate together. That'll be fun. I'll see you at Hillview. Yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to find out how much it costs to rent that and we'll see about putting that together. <laughs> you have a great evening. Me too, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Brandy. Kelly, that was so much fun. I had a great time and I'm looking forward to talking to other listeners about their experiences as well. As am I. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to this Paranormal Conversation. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye.